At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. You're listening to the Urban Farm Podcast, your partner in the Grow Your Own Food revolution. Whether you've just been introduced to urban farming or you're a lifelong advocate, we're sure you'll leave feeling more informed, equipped, and empowered to dig deeper into the soil of your local food economy. With you every step of the way, here's your host, Greg Peterson. Today on the Urban Farm Podcast, we have Wardy Harmon of Traditional Cooking School to talk about her experience with traditional cooking. Wardy lives in Oregon with her family, where they garden, raise small livestock, and cook from scratch. She's the author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Fermenting Food and other traditional cooking ebooks. Plus, she teaches online classes with the fundamentals of traditional cooking, sourdough, cultured dairy, cheese making, fermentation, kids cooking, dehydrating, allergy-free cooking, cooking outside, and more on her website, traditionalcookingschool.com. Welcome to the show today, Wardy. Thank you so much, Greg. I'm really thrilled to be here. Oh my gosh, and I am so incredibly happy to have you. I um, was on your podcast, what, a year and a half or two years ago? Yep. Yeah. One so. of our best episodes. Oh, well, thank you for that. I'm, blush- <laughs> I'm blushing now. <laughs> so I shared a bit about you. Can you fill in the blanks for us and share more about the path you took to get where you're at now? Sure, I'd be happy to. Yeah, it's hard to get it all in a bio, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Um, well, my family and I, as you said, we live in Oregon. We have about five acres. It's partially wooded, um, a small garden. We uh-huh. have three children. Our oldest daughter actually got married recently. So now, we, depending on how you look at it, we have two or we have four. But oh, I nice. prefer to look at it, we have four now because of a, a son-in-law. Congratulations, uh, by the way. <laughs> thank you. Absolutely. It's kind of shocking just to think about, you know, I'm old enough to have a married child, (laughs) but I guess I am. And she is quite talented and continues to work with me at traditional cooking school. She's been editing for a number of years. And, uh, so now she's just doing more and more. So it's, it's really, it's kind of cool to have children growing up and you, you change your relationship with them. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. But back to the cooking. Well, from the time our children were little, they had food allergies and sensitivities. Oh, yes. And we just worked around those, but we always thought it would be wonderful if we could heal. And traditional cooking really was the answer because with traditional cooking, you know, we're we're paying attention like you are and probably so many people are listening to the quality of our ingredients. You know, we grow it ourselves or mm-hmm. we source quality whole foods. They're organic or pesticide free or, you know, depending on what we're purchasing and what we have available to us, uh, we do the best we can. And traditional cooking takes an, an additional step in recognizing that there's certain certain ways to prepare food that make them more nutritious and digestible. Mm-hmm. And an obvious example of this would be like sourdough bread, sourdough oh, yes. bread. The action of the sourdough starter makes your 
the grain that's the base of the bread more nutritious and digestible for you as opposed to like a quick yeasted bread quick yeast you know the baker's yeast uh-huh. does not do anything healthy for for the grain it just rises the bread uh-huh, but right. sourdough starter makes the grains it predigests gluten it it uh, neutralizes what we call phytic acid which is an anti-nutrient that binds with minerals and in your digestive tract can lead to uh, mineral deficiencies so sourdough is this not only like just beautiful process of capturing wild yeast and they rise this bread and you get such a delicious result, but it's actually healthier for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so starting to use these principles and these techniques in our home, we saw in all of us that our energy went up, our gut health improved, our food sensitivities and allergies went away. Um, and so we were sold on it. The other thing is just we're, we're a Christian family and we see, you know, the foods and the kind of the things, food isn't talked a lot in the Bible, but certain things are, you know, yogurt and olive oil oh, and yes. the bread with sourdough and uh, cheese. And these are, this is the way that people made food all through human history until the processed industrialized food of the of the 20th century. Right. And so it really resonated with us like let's get back to uh, the way God designed food. Let's do it the way uh, that people have been doing it and they've been healthier. People like traditional cultures and traditional societies were so much healthier than people in our modern society. They didn't oh, yeah. have the rampant diseases that we have, they didn't have tooth decay. So on so many levels, not only did our health benefit, but we saw the truth of it and we see the beauty of it. So this just, it just really became a passion for our family. And I was blogging about it and sharing about it. And this was like in 2008, 2009. And people were asking for more information. And that's really how traditional cooking school started was I just started you know, sharing recipes and then teaching online classes. And it's kind of, it's really like, like you, Greg, where urban farming is your passion. It's how you live. And now yeah. you've turned, you've turned into a, um, what's the word? I mean, you're an evangelist of urban farming yep, and that people is the case. look to you for information and teaching and all that. And what a blessing that is. And the same thing happened with us is that this is what transformed our family's health and even even spiritual health uh-huh. and we get to share it with others so on so many levels it's uh it's a blessing and a passion and so that's a little bit about our story fantastic what kind of health differences have you seen yeah well you know how they say the strength of your immune system and your health is really oh, yes. in the gut. So that is that is the main thing is that we've been really able to uh, target the health of our gut, you know, through, you know, improving your digestion by how you fix your food, by incorporating fermented foods. As you mentioned at the beginning, uh, the print book that I've authored is The Complete Idiot's Guide to Fermenting Foods. Uh-huh. Um, that's really an expression of one of my my greatest loves in traditional cooking, which is to ferment foods. I mean, I have a Middle Eastern background and fermented foods are such a huge part of my heritage Mm -hmm. with cheeses and fermented olives. And um, so I've I've always had a taste for this. So it's such a privilege to be able to share it. And these foods have really healed our guts. So we don't, when we first made these dietary changes, we stopped getting sick. Our children, they had the food allergies that I mentioned. Right. Those went away. Another thing was, you know, like most 
most children in modern society, you know, ear infections and colds and flus and all that. Well, our children were no exception. Neither were me or my husband. We got sick. Well, we changed our diet and we hardly ever get sick anymore. And it's been years and there hasn't been a single infection that has of any kind that's right. had to be treated with antibiotics. And, you know, if we had an infection, I'd probably look elsewhere than antibiotics. But the fact that we just don't even hardly get sick get anymore them. is yeah. amazing. Yeah. And energy, the food allergies are better. Our son had eczema. That went away. We're happier. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 hard to to... It's not hard to talk about something so intangible, but happiness in the way you live and your lifestyle oh. is like the most important intangible that there is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, great, great improvements. Fantastic. Happy. So fermenting, what is, let's think about your five acres right now. And what do you, what have you fermented in the past six months? <laughs> well, I ferment a lot. I actually haven't fermented anything off our property in the last six months, I don't think, because we, we don't currently have um, even chickens. I'm sorry to admit that to you, uh -oh. but we're, we're in between animals at this point. So, okay, well, that um, happens. We, we, we raise them during the grass season, and uh -huh. then we typically butcher, and uh -huh. we took a break from all animals this winter. So, But during the, during the summer, during the height of the gardening season, I'm fermenting salsa and pickles um, that come right out of our garden, and they're wonderful. I mean, you and you can ferment garlic and garlic scapes, and you can, you know, if you're growing cabbage, you can make your own sauerkraut. Right. Um, there's you can ferment virtually anything, and you know, you can even do pickled meats. You can even pickle eggs. So I have pickled our own eggs in the past. Really, and those are to do yeah it's they're really delicious i have wow. to say <laughs> I've, I've seen them before but it never quite appealed to me but maybe i should go try it huh yeah well you'd really like it there's a recipe in my book um the thing with fermentation if i could just step back and explain it to people please because i know people are like fermenting ooh, yuck well here's the thing there's beneficial fermentation that you can do on food that actually makes your food more nutritious digestible there's an explosion of probiotics that's such a buzzword in today's society at least in health circles well probiotics are the good guys that you want to populate your gut uh -huh. so they repel pathogens and viruses and they digest your food and you get nutrients from your food i mean we need healthy bacteria in our guts to yeah. digest and stay healthy and fermented foods are the perfect way to keep your body in supply with that whether you're talking about yogurt or you're talking about homemade kombucha or you're talking about you know your own pickles or your sauerkraut the process of fermenting can be applied to so many foods um and you're just making you're just making really really delicious foods that are healthy for you i like to say that fermenting makes foods better um Although raw fresh foods are wonderful, and I'm not knocking that at all, but if but if you can ferment uh, something, you're getting more enzymes, you're getting more vitamins, oh, yes. you're getting probiotics, you're getting beneficial acids, and there's a other beautiful thing that happens, which is fermentation is like besides de dehydrating or dried foods, fermentation uh -huh. is like the second oldest form of food preservation in the world because the beneficial organisms and the acids that happen from, you know, taking, for instance, sauerkraut, you shred cabbage, you mix it with salt, you pack it in a jar, 
and the naturally abundant organisms that are there, they eat the sugars in the cabbage, they produce more of themselves, they produce beneficial acids. And that process is an act of preservation because the salt, the, um, oh, the right. organisms and the acids preserve it. Um, so you stick it in cold storage and you can age that sauerkraut for months, but you're actually preserving it. I mean, you can eat sauerkraut that's a couple of years old. Uh-huh. Um, so fermenting is healthy. It's a, it's a means of preservation before we had modern things like canning and canning. Although I'm a fan of canning in some situations, canning is not nearly as healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, can think of canning? It's high heat or high pressure. Right. And and not all nutrients are destroyed, but you certainly don't have that preservation of nutrition that's in the raw food, plus the explosion of probiotics and acids and additional enzymes and vitamins. So I'm a huge fan of fermenting, if you I can't can tell. tell. And when we grow, like the gardening season, that's uh-huh. my favorite thing to do. And it's so easy, too, because... You're not slaving over a hot stove or anything. You are just, you know, taking your fresh vegetables and you're like shredding them or cutting them up or Mm -hmm. you're cutting them into pieces and you're covering them in brine. And the salt that's in the brine and the presence of the um, naturally abundant beneficial organisms that are right on the food, they do all the work for you. Mm -hmm. You just pack it in a jar and let it go. Uh, So... It's, it's the lazy way to preserve food, but also happens to be the healthy way to preserve food. So Nice. So you in, in our pre-conversation, you mentioned canning, that you were really into pressure, I guess pressure cooking is what you said. And you mentioned that a moment ago. Um, the, the pressure cooking, though, heats this stuff up, to superheats it, and it kills all those enzymes, right? Right. Well, I am I am a new fan, or I'd say in the last year or so, of pressure cooking. And there's pressure cooking and there's pressure canning, and both use high pressure either either to can your foods so they're shelf stable for a long time, uh-huh. or pressure cooking, which is a very efficient way of cooking certain you know broth or roasts or rice or beans in your kitchen. You just save time because you're utilizing pressure. Uh-huh. And the reason I'm a fan of that is because there are certain foods, well, either pressure cooked or pressure canned, there are certain foods that you're gonna cook anyway. Right. Um, so why not have the benefit of efficiency and safety of pressure cooking? Why not take advantage of that? So what makes it I more love efficient? to do, well, just the fact that you're using pressure, you can actually get um, food hotter than boiling. Mm, right. And so you, you're just cutting the cooking time tremendously, like half or more. So you can just be uh, very productive and efficient in you know a smaller amount of time to put food on the table for your family. Another huge benefit is that we're, uh, we're fans of pastured and wild meat, and sometimes they can be tough. And, you know, every every time we get a beef, it's sort of like... A, a new either we raise it ourselves or we get it from somebody else and it's like okay well let's see how this year's beef is going to be and some uh-huh. of them are just really tough you just there's nothing you can do about it and you know grass-fed beef is very lean and you know they're very active so you end up with a tougher meat um, and pressure cooking tenderizes meat uh, like nothing else nice so the situations where i use it are not situations where i'm trying to preserve enzymes i'm trying to be efficient um tenderize food in, and just produce these staples that I'd be cooking already for our family, but it's just so much more efficient. So right. Well, and if, if I the, love pressure cooking. <laughs> if the well, if the pressure cooking is uh, tenderizing, then it makes it more easily digestible. I would guess. 
Sure. Right. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well-cooked, soft meats are very easy to digest. And actually that's one of the things, like if you were going to go on a gut healing diet, you should be having very soft, well-cooked meats as well as broth. And broth is an amazing quick thing to do in a pressure cooker. And it's one of the staples of, I mean, just think about chicken soup for the soul. I mean, when you're sick, your mom or your wife or whoever Uh is in your family, the first thing they're serving you is chicken soup. Well, there's a reason for that because broth is like the most healing food there is. And uh, you can do it really fast and really good (laughs) in a pressure cooker. Mm-hmm. Cool. So when I introduced you, we talked about traditional cooking and you kind of mentioned it in, in your conversation there, but I really want to zero in on what is traditionally prepared. Sure. That's a really good question. So I think of traditional cooking as the way people used to cook before the food industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have small batches, you have a lot of care taken even if people didn't know what they were doing, there was care taken to yield really uh, digestible and nutritious foods like sourdough, for example. The way I look at it is that we're we're really focusing on the quality ingredients in addition to the way we prepare it. And it doesn't mean that we can't benefit from modern appliances. Like I have a high powered blender, I have a dehydrator, I have that pressure cooker I just mentioned, Mm -hmm. but everything I'm doing in those, I'm thinking about the end result. And if they can serve me to do that faster or more efficiently, uh, so that I can have that really digestible and nutritious food in the end, also delicious. I don't want to downplay the fact that this food is delicious. Um, then I'm going to make use of those. But traditional cooking really is the way people used to cook before the food industry, where Mm. the method was as important as the quality of the ingredients and people were not sick as much, nearly as much. They didn't have tooth decay. Mm -hmm. Um, And by sick, I mean, you know, heart disease and diabetes and all these things that cancer that people have so much now. I'm not I'm not making an argument that it's only traditional cooking. There's other things involved, like, you know, we've completely changed the fats that we eat and the the modern nutritionists are either low fat or, or veggie oils, where I would make the argument that traditional societies mostly had animal fats right. and saturated fats, and our bodies are composed mostly of saturated fats. We shouldn't be scared of saturated fats, and we need them. So that's kind of where I'm coming from when I talk about traditional cooking. I'm talking about the ingredients um, and the way that we prepare them together just to really to really have the best possible result with our food because uh, so we can be the healthiest that we can be. Perfect. And you teach this online, do you not? Yes, I do. At traditionalcookingschool.com. I have a blog um, and we publish five days a week with recipes and articles and also podcasts. And we also have even more um, in our membership. Traditional Cooking School members get access to currently 10 and counting classes in traditional cooking. So nice. we've got fundamentals and sourdough and culturing dairy and dehydrating and fermentate uh, all kinds we're about to start pressure cooking so oh, nice. usually the yeah usually the class that is next is kind of like what i'm really excited about <laughs> <laughs> exactly isn't that so, isn't that fun that we can do that we go out and learn totally this stuff and, and then we learn it better by teaching it right oh it totally is i mean it doesn't happen that way always with me like sometimes we'll have members who say you know, I really could use some help with this. And so then, okay, well, that's our next class. (laughs) That's what we'll do. Exactly. Yeah. 
So what would you say to our listeners that want to incorporate more traditionally prepared foods into their lifestyle? It's like, where do they begin? How, how would one begin with this? I'm going to, I think the first thing you have to do, and if you give me just a moment here, um, let's see, I'm looking for a particular episode. I have, I have two podcasts and one of them is called Ask Wardy, where I answer traditional cooking questions. Oh, nice. Um, and a recent episode was somebody asking this very simple, this very same question. So I, ha- I gave six simple steps to mm-hmm. getting started. Um, but even before I talk about these six steps, I think you have to have a really good understanding of what your goals are. Like if you have certain health goals or allergies or whatnot, those kind of have to, you know, your steps have to be very informed by what your goals are. If you just have a general goal of get healthy and get back to, you know, traditional cooking roots, which, um, it's just kind of general, Mm -hmm. then your steps may look a little different. So I want people to just make sure, you know, you know what you're trying to achieve. And just so you know, if you want to listen to this more in depth or, um, or read these, the, the link is tradcookschool.com slash AW013, which is stands for Ask Wardy episode 13. Okay, so the first thing you would do is just clean up your ingredients. And I think probably most people listening here know what that means yeah. uh, because very interested in clean food. So clean that up your meats and your fats, um, your sweeteners, you know, don't use table salt, use real salt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then second, if you're using any processed foods, replace them with homemade healthy equivalents. The internet plus inside traditional cooking school, we have just tons of recipes. All you have to yeah. do is Google or search wherever you're connected or, you know, your go-to resource. Like if you, if you're buying ranch dressing, look for homemade ranch dressing. If you're buying barbecue sauce, homemade barbecue sauce. So just replace your processed foods with these healthy, healthy homemade equivalents. Third would be start using traditional methods for your grain preparation. Like I was talking about sourdough. Sourdough is the number one way to prepare your grains for better digestion. I don't think it's a coincidence that today we have rampant gluten intolerance and, you know, people having to go grain free because of irritable bowel and all those kinds of things. I think that the food industry has put so much grain in our packaged mm-hmm. foods, plus they're not prepared for digestion, that it's no wonder people's bodies are rebelling. So right. if you're still at the point where you can eat them, start preparing them with sourdough. Um, and we have a whole class on sourdough. And in fact, I'll give you a link, Greg, uh-huh. because I have a free I have free instructions for how to start your own sourdough starter. So if you, uh, I'll give that to you so you can cool. include it in the show notes and yep, people perfect. can come by and grab that. Nice. Yes. Um, number four, I would say is to start fermenting because fermented foods are going to start repopulating your gut with the healthy bacteria they need for the, your immune system and proper digestion. Um, number five would be to start getting other healing and nutrient dense foods into your daily diet, like broth. We were talking about earlier. Broth oh, is yes. number one healing and nutritious food. Other things would be like organ meats or healthy fats. Like maybe you need to just you know, start taking ta- uh, coconut oil by the tablespoon because mm-hmm. you've got a, an infection or, you know, you need, you're constipated and you need some, you know, fat to help you move your bowels. I mean, coconut oil is fantastic in many ways. And number six would be to reduce your overall sugar consumption. Oh, that's sugar. huge. That is I know, huge. sugar yeah. is behind candida and fa- fatigue yeah. and tooth decay and 
so many things. So reduce your overall sugar consumption. And I'm just scratching the surface, but I think those six steps would go a long way oh. uh, to helping somebody get started. Yeah, that's a great start. And you know, I'm sitting here making notes. It's like <laughs> sugar. If we could, we could do an entire episode on sugar and the the negative impacts of sugar. Totally. Um, I pretty much just drink water anymore and green tea because mm -hmm. of that. And in our culture, it's something like 60% of the calories consumed in the United States is from sugary drinks. Oh my goodness. That does not surprise me, I but and how the, shocking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the, the, it's, it has a huge impact on our lives. Can you say, do you, can you say anything to sugar and taking it out? Oh, well, I myself have had to uh, cut sugar out dramatically from my diet. And you can go through serious withdrawal symptoms. Oh, big time. You know, headaches and fatigue and shaking and lack, you know, focus because we're truly addicted to sugar. Yeah. It shows not only in the obesity epidemic and the cavities and this, the, the hormone, the hormones and the, you know, diabetes, candida. And yeah, I mean, it shows in all of those, but even a normal even a person who eats generally healthy can be addicted to sugar like I was. And this was several years ago. And I was just like, I I'm sick of having to have my sugar fix and just to get through the afternoon. Right. And I had some serious withdrawal symptoms. Um, but I just think for everybody, you know, you can switch to natural sweeteners, but you can even be addicted to natural sweeteners. So you just really need to cut back, uh, entirely. And this can help if you need to improve your gut health, if you need to lose weight, if you need to have more energy or focus. I mean, the impacts are so uh, far reaching. Yeah. Uh, and it's worth doing. It's worth doing, even if you think you're fairly healthy, but you find that you're, you know, you have that sweet tooth, you need to have a little bit of something sweet. I'm not saying never have anything sweet. I think we need to enjoy our food, right. but we don't want to be addicted. Yeah. <laughs> and and you you would be surprised and I'm not talking to you, Greg, talking to just everybody. <laughs> You'd be surprised how much better life is yep. if you're not addicted to sugar. <laughs> yeah. Big time, big time. So you also mentioned broth a couple of times. Are you talking about bone broth, vegetable broth? Yeah, I'm talking about bone broth. Um, mm -hmm. Broth that's made from quality pastured um, animals. Mm -hmm. And then that could be chicken or lamb or beef or goat. I mean, you can, or fish, but you know, we're, we're talking about quality here. We're not talking about factory farms or right. feedlots. Mm -hmm. uh, we're talking about quality, you know, the kind you'd, you'd raise in your backyard or your neighbor would raise on their 40 acres. Right. Um, and that, the marrow's nutritious. Mm -hmm. uh, the gelatin in those bones is very soothing and very important for your bone health and all kinds of things in your body. So you just you just simmer those bones for a good long while, and that broth is like the most amazing life giving food, soothing food, healing food you could do. So I'm definitely talking about um, bone broth. Bone broth, yeah. definitely, and not to say that vegetable broth, but there's not a great, there's not a whole lot of vet benefit to vegetable broth other than some flavor and bone broth has way more flavor than vegetable broth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we do, Heidi and I make a, um, a mineral broth, uh, out of all kinds of great vegetables and seaweed and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, and what we do with that is we're actually pulling the nutrients out of the, of the things we're putting in it and then yeah. consuming it that way. That's yeah, why I asked seaweed, about the vegetable broth. Seaweed's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, 
sourdough starter. I wanted to kind of touch on that too, because that's that's something that's really simple, is it not? Oh, very simple. Take um, whole grain flour as fresh ground as you can, because uh-huh. you want those naturally abundant yeast to be there. Mm-hmm. So flowers that's been sitting around for a long time or white flour or bleach flour is not going to have it. So I'm not saying you have to mill your own flour, but maybe mm-hmm. you have a health food store with some fairly fresh whole grain flour and you can choose wheat or rye, or if you want to go ancient grains, our family, we're a big fan of ancient grains like einkorn and spelt. Anyway, you take that whole grain flour and you mix it with water and the link will be in the show notes where I talk about the proportions. So be sure and grab that. Perfect. And you're, you're nurturing it for three to five days, you know, just with twice daily feedings of more flour and water. And it goes from, you have some organisms present on the flour to they are thriving because their food source is on the flour. It's oh, the sugars right. in the flour. Yeah, exactly. And you're giving this, them this warm and oxygen rich environment and wet so that they can proliferate. And mm-hmm. so after three to five days, you have a sourdough starter and it's an amazing, rich and diverse culture of bacteria and yeast, all beneficial that are going to rise your bread. And bread is not intimidating. I'm not I'm not saying anybody should jump right into making sandwich bread. We have very easy English muffins that 99% of people succeed with. There's no need recipes inside traditional cooking school. We make everything with sourdough. In fact, our class is called Sourdough A to Z because cookies, muffins, pancakes, waffles, you name it. Wow. You can do a sourdough very easily. One of my chief goals with anything I do is it has to be really simple because mm-hmm. uh, I know I just know I'm not going to keep it up if it's not. Right. So I look for I look for simple recipes. I cultivate simple recipes, and those are the kind of recipes that I share and recommend. Nice. So sourdough is very easy. I guess there's a learning curve. I'm not going to say somebody's going to succeed right off the bat. They could. I didn't succeed right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I never do anything right the first time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's how we learn, though, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah exactly. Fantastic. So uh, any projects you're currently excited about right now, working on? Sure. Well, I told you about pressure cooking. So that is our next class at Traditional Cooking School. So I'm all about just practicing that. One of the things that I want to make sure we cover really well is, you know, I've talked about traditional cooking in that you prepare your foods for best digestion and nutrition. And the biggest category of food you want to do that with is uh, seeds. So grains, beans, nuts. All right. So you can you can do pressure cooking and you can just put your rice or your beans right in and cook it in half the time, but it's not soaked. So one of the things I'm making sure we cover and that I'm practicing a lot is combining the traditional soaking because that's really good for, to, oh, yes. for digestion and nutrition yep. with the ease and efficiency of pressure cooking. So that gets me really excited. Another thing that's really exciting to me, I mentioned a little bit ago, is ancient grains. Um, our family has been exclusively, instead of having modern wheat, we've been having the 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 oldest form of wheat there is, which is called einkorn. It's a 5,000-year-old wheat. It's the original wheat. And wow. it, has a, it has a low yield. And it's not very cost effective. It's harder to harvest and all that. And so it was very quickly replaced in human civilization with other grains. And they've just kind of changed over the years to modern wheat. And modern wheat is not very good for us. Yeah, um, you think? 
<laughs> so we we eat einkorn and we love it. I mean, it makes the most delicious foods and we combine it with sourdough. Um, and I myself had very, very bad seasonal allergies my entire life, like uh -huh. seasonal allergies where I just couldn't even function for, you know, several months every year. And then it, they got so bad that it was year round. Right. And um, something happened with our family. Well, two things happened. One, we got a little more restrictive with our traditional diet and we did a targeted gut healing diet mm -hmm. and my allergies went away immediately and they've been maintained as completely gone for I think three years now wow. because I didn't reintroduce modern wheat which can right. be a trigger for allergies and we use einkorn instead big time um, so I'm so sold on einkorn I tell everybody I can about you know ditch the modern wheat and go back to the original because our modern wheat was really hybridized and developed so it was high right. yield and so it was cost effective to produce for farmers which i'm not knocking that that's a good goal but it was the at the expense of nutrition right um because there's so much gluten which again could be another reason we have gluten allergies because it's so much higher in gluten than ancient grains yeah um anyway so when they, that's, the, that the, excites me the other thing they don't tell you about uh, modern grains is how much chemicals that it takes to raise them, number one, and to process them, number two. Ah, very good point. You know, very good point. That's I learned that at seed school uh, three or four years ago <laughs> when I took it. That's, we talked about that, and there's an extreme yeah. amount of chemicals that are used in in raising uh, modern day grains in general. So I, you know, I try and avoid them as much as possible. Right. Good. Yeah. So you have a podcast. Yes, I have two actually. A couple years now. I'm on episode 152 for Know Your Food with Wardy. That's where I have guests and we cover, oh, health issues and you know, things to enrich your knowledge of food and traditional cooking. And a new podcast I just started uh, in the fall, fall of 2015, is called Ask Wardy, where oh, nice. I answer your traditional cooking questions. So uh -huh. Ask Wardy is released every Thursday at askwardy.tv and Know Your Food with Wardy is released every Friday at uh, knowyourfoodpodcast.com. They're both available on iTunes and I actually record them live on Periscope or Blab, Blab if I have a guest. Um, so if you get connected with either of those, y you, Greg, but anybody who's listening, um, there's always information on how to you know get, invi get involved yeah. live if you'd like to. Fantastic. And I love doing those. I really do because I'm a people person. Uh -huh. I'm an introverted people person, if that's possible. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I am too, actually. <laughs> I am too. That's great. So it's fun to, I don't know, it's just fun to visit and chat about what floats my boat. So yeah. that's what the podcast is. Podcasts, plural, is for me. It's an avenue to have a relationship and discussion around the things that I love. We, right. we, none of us like to be in a vacuum. I don't right. think. I don't. Yeah. I don't either. I hear you. So what do you consider your biggest success? Okay. This is a really good question. I'm thrilled to answer it. Um, I, I love my family. And so they're, they're why I do everything. Uh -huh. I mean, I love being a wife and I love being a mom. So uh -huh. I love to please them. And so, you know, I may work on some healthy technique and I'm really enjoying it. But what really, really makes it amazing for me is when my family says, ah, oh, this is awesome. Oh, nice. Yes. <laughs> so what I've been working on for a couple of years really is no need bread. And I mentioned this before, but I oh, love yes. sourdough. 
and we love bread. We don't eat a ton of bread, um, but we, you know, good bread is just a really great thing to have in your home. Mm -hmm. And I love to make it. And I said, we've been using einkorn. So probably within the last year, all my practicing with no need bread and no need bread. The reason you would do that is because it's just so easy. I mean, Uh you've got your flour and water and starter and salt and I love to knead too. I mean, I don't mind kneading, but it takes more time. Mm-hmm. So just to have a great bread that's no need. So I've been working on that, working on it, working on it, not quite right. You know, it's it's either like too dense or not cooked inside or didn't rise or whatnot. And then I finally got it uh-huh. <laughs> and I knew I got it. So I was just tickled to share it with the family. And my husband said, this is the best bread I've ever oh, had. Nice. <laughs> and you know what that means? It doesn't just mean this is the best bread you've ever made, Wardy, in the health food category. Uh-huh. You know, this is the best bread I've ever had my whole life compared to white bread and bakery right. bread. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's the best bread he's ever had his whole life. Uh, so I would say, you know, just that is that is one of many yeah. moments, but that rises to the top of a great success. Oh, oh, oh. pun intended, right? Rises to the top. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did not. That was pun unintended. <laughs> that was good. That was good. So what drives you? I mean, we already talked a little bit about your family and the, 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 I can hear the passion in that, which is so cool. But like, what's your big why? I mean, what do you want to do with all this? Yeah, good question. Well, it is my family. And I think, but if it was just my family, I probably wouldn't have traditionalcookingschool.com because I am a introverted people person. Uh (laughs) And I love to talk to people about the things that excite me and that I'm working on. Mm -hmm. And so at at Traditional Cooking School, both the blog and our members and our Facebook community and podcast community, they're people like me that like to talk about this too. Uh-huh. So it brings just a ton of joy into my life to um, not only be doing these things for my family, but piggybacking on that is grow as a person and professionally with food. Right. I mean, it's an incredible blessing and it brings me a ton of joy. I'm not disconnected from my life by pursuing something professionally that has no part in my life. The mm-hmm. two have merged. So what what my family and I are doing is also my professional vocation and I'm connecting with friends. I mean, dear friends and kindred spirits all over the world who share yeah. the same passion and I'm able to help them. You know, maybe that's it. I love to help people. So this is an avenue where I can help people. I would do it for free if I could. Uh (laughs) I seriously would. (laughs) Yeah. No, I hear you. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I want to, you know, as we're talking here, I I, I got curious. And how long have you been doing traditional cooking school? Yeah, well, I started blogging about just the the health changes and the things we were learning in 2008, 2009. Uh-huh. And then there was such a great response. I mean, such a great response. But of course, back then, Traditional Cooking School was, uh, Genaufklands was the original name of my site. Uh-huh. And we had such a tiny community compared to what we have now. But it was a community of people who are just saying, give us more, tell us more. (laughs) We have allergies and we have issues. I'm really interested in this too. That's how it got started back then. And it's just, it's, it's grown since then, but it had very humble beginnings, but humble beginnings that really resonated with 
people like me or and people like you yeah very interested in this yeah so it's been a while congratulations i you know i I always love talking with you because you're so excited and engaged in this conversation so thank you so much for that oh thank you it's a it's a pleasure it's a highlight for me like i said yeah I love to talk. About this. <laughs> so I'm all about education. I have to know, is there one book that has been most influential in this process for you? Yes, definitely. And if anybody else is already familiar with traditional cooking, you'll know this book. It's tra- it's Nourishing Traditions by Sally Fallon Morell. She's the one who started this whole movement in traditional cooking. Uh-huh. And her work was actually based on the work of a dentist, Weston A. Price, from the 30s, I believe. Don't quote me on the year. And he traveled the world um, just researching researching and getting to know traditional, cook, traditional cultures that were not sick. Right. And he noticed that their food was the difference. And that became kind of the foundation for what turned into this book, Nourishing Traditions, and became the Weston A. Price Foundation. So that book is really what, cha- what changed uh, the course of my family's health and lifestyle. Uh-huh. And I want to say, though, it's a big, thick book. And I, we had food allergies and we had issues. And I checked it out from the library. So many people had said, you, you know, read this book, this book, this book, or see it online. Mm-hmm. I checked it out from the library and I was like, no way, I'm not doing all that. <laughs> <laughs> and I put it down, I returned it. I'm like, I don't have time for sourdough and soaking. Right. <laughs> I'm, I have young children and I want my chef Boyardee. Thank you. And then our allergies and our issues just got so bad that I was like, we need to take another look at this because it's not like, I mean, life couldn't get any harder. My Mm -hmm. kitchen couldn't be any harder to manage because I'm working around everybody's allergies and nobody feels good. So we don't have anything to lose here, but we have a lot to gain if we try it. So I checked it out from the library or I may, I purchased it then. (laughs) Bigger commitment, bigger, yeah, bigger commitment. And my husband and I read certain parts of it together and we just cold turkey dove in. I'm not advising cold turkey for anybody else really because I think small manageable changes are better like the six steps I talked about before. But for us, it was cold turkey. You know, we got, I mean, seriously cold turkey. We got goats so we could have our own goat milk. Uh We started the garden, you know, just everything changed overnight and our health changed overnight Overnight. too. It's amazing how that happens, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. I'm so thankful for it. So my answer is nourishing traditions. Yeah, great. I... And, and traditional cooking school, I just want to say, at traditional cooking school, we take the overwhelm out of t- nourishing traditions because uh-huh. I'm not the only person who's been overwhelmed by it. Right. So that's kind of my goal is to just give s- simple ways to implement it because it can be overwhelming. Oh, yeah. Well, when you take on food in that way, because it's so, you know we live in a culture that is so easy to go to fast food and to prepared stuff and uh, you know so when you take on changing how you eat it can mm-hmm. be a big thing and then if you you know you take on too much it gets overwhelming and then you stop doing it right right yeah it has to be small steps incremental yep. that you can keep going with it can they cannot be so complex or difficult that you can't keep them up yeah um and i i'm not going to say it doesn't take work or anything and you also need small victories like you need things to you know just good thing to start happening so that you have the motivation then to keep it up when when it does seem like it's too much right well heidi and i we make dinner together just about every night 
That's and cool. Yeah, it is. And it, it, you know, we get to connect. She gets to be the chef. I'm the sous chef. And I'm just, you know, I basically do what she asked me to do. But mm-hmm. it's, it's also that place for us to connect every day, uh, yeah. you know, and, and build our relationship from. And, you know, the bonus is it's around food. Yeah. Yeah. You're talking my language there. I yeah. love to be in the kitchen, but I do not love it when I'm alone. Right. <laughs> so oh, yeah. kids, Jeff, get in here. Yeah. <laughs> Talk to me. Help yeah. me. Exactly. <laughs> Let's do this together. Yeah. Um, our t- two of our children love cooking. Our daughter who got married and then our, our son, who's the youngest. And uh-huh. our daughter, before she got married, she'd been cooking just amazingly for several years. And then we knew she was getting married. And my husband was like, Wardy, you need to start working with Micah. He's our youngest, our son, but he's, he's a teenager. So he's not that little. Right. Anyway, you need to start working with him because somebody needs to pick up where she's (laughs) going. Right. And so he, he just stepped right in and now he's an amazing cook and we cook together or he cooks alone when I can't. Um, but anyway, it's, it's a huge blessing to, share that as a family so i know exactly yeah. i know exactly the joy that is i'm sitting over here I got this big smile you know for the for the past 30 minutes i've got this big smile on because i number one i love talking to you but i love talking about this because it's such <laughs> and it can make such an impactful piece in your life when you clean up your food yeah totally and i mean look your thing is urban farming right what's the point of urban farming <laughs> to grow your own healthy food yes uh-huh, exactly. Yeah. It starts there. Yeah, exactly. So what one final piece of advice you have for our listeners? I want to just say to take it slowly, evaluate what you and your family's goals are. Like if you have an allergy to deal with or gut health or something that rises to the top as a priority, keep that in mind. Figure out, you know, how to get there and maybe refer to the six steps I shared earlier, but take it in small steps. Mm -hmm. It can be as simple as changing your meat supply, changing your fats, you know, adding sourdough into your life, reducing sweeteners. There's so many ways to go about it. And all those that I mentioned are important, but take it one at a time, one step at a time and really celebrate every Mm -hmm. victory along the mm-hmm. way, no matter how small it is. We have a hashtag in our private members Facebook group called Little Wins Big Deal because those little wins are a huge deal yeah. on your path to changing. Yeah. And also, if you fail, don't look at it as a failure. Don't quit. Keep going. Like picky children, they might have to be presented with a food 12 times before they'll ever take a bite of it. So right. you can't just say, you know, if you have a failure, if your bread turns out like a rock or, you know, your English muffins aren't perfectly round, your, your food is still edible. That is not a failure. You learned something from that. You got to keep going. Don't give up. Yeah. So that's what I would say. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today and sharing your experience with us, Wardy. It's been a treat to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, Greg. Absolutely. And so how can our listeners get a hold of you? Website, email? Yeah. Traditionalcookingschool.com is the hub. You can also search for Traditional Cooking School on Facebook. We have an active and vibrant Facebook page. And nice. of course, I'm on iTunes with Ask Warty and Know Your Food with Warty. So any of those places are great. And um, 
I guess, Greg, in the show notes, there will be links if anybody wants to take it further. Yep. I have a free traditional cooking video series so people can get a taste of what we do and also the sourdough starter instructions. So I'll give you those links so you can include them in the show notes. Absolutely will do. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen three days a week for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.